0: that this is really just a substitute and in no way should forsake the uh, gathering together of the local church body we believe that the local church is God's plan a in speaking of the gospel so please come hang out with us here at rest um, this Sunday morning with us or um, go find another Bible believing church Jesus is preparing the church um, that's close to you. I mean, he's challenged you to get plugged in there. Um, Jesus loves the church, and we love Jesus, and we believe that we can love Jesus better by being locally connected and serving her well. So, um, just jump right in with us, and we're glad you're here. Good
1: morning, Rest Church. How are you? Um. So. Today's gonna be an awesome day, and, and first, I wanna thank uh, the worship team, man. You guys did a great job. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> secondly, um, for all of you first time visitors, uh, two things. One, thank you so much for visiting uh, with us here today. Uh, second thing, I am very sorry. Um, so, we are going uh, verse by verse through the book of Romans. And, uh, and it's funny because like, this is, like, super planned out. Like, we've got a schedule. We've got Romans, like, separated into buckets, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But the funny thing is, is, like, so I'm looking at all of these sermons, and it's got a name out beside it. So, Wrath of God, cool, Grace of God, yeah, Cody, um, you know, Adam's talking about, like, oh, man, like, the, uh, the trap. Um, John has this. Oh, circumcision. <laughs> Johan, well, my name's Pastor Johan, uh, for your first-time guest, uh, so, so thank you, and I'm sorry, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, man, and if you know me, like, at all, you, you would say, that figures. So I, I do have a question. Was this, like, intentional? Yes. yes. So I guess, thank you, I'm sorry, and you're welcome. Um, like for real, I'm a, I'm I'm the oldest of the bunch, and I I think it would be fair to say that I'm the least mature. Wow, I got a nod and an amen. Okay. <laughs> I think I need to. I think I want to change something real quick, because man, this is gonna. Actually, no. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and do this. So um, I don't know if you've heard, if you're on Facebook, like all us other grandparents, um, that was a joke. So my D group, by the way, they are going to be signing me uh, through, there it is. Go ahead and show everybody, Julie, just hold your hand up, there it is, um, like, like through this sermon, so I apologize if you see that. Um, I do want to change this up a little bit, but if you guys follow us on Facebook at all, not us, but like me, my family, uh, whatever, something big happened in my family this week. Uh, and I'm really trying to hold it in. Okay. Um, but Cole and Bella got engaged. Okay. So, um, man, and really I couldn't be more happy. But I tell you, like, Bella's my oldest daughter. I'm a father of two girls. Uh, For all of you girl dads, uh, I'm sure you feel me. Um, Regardless how old she is, she is still like a five-year-old little kid to me. My little kid. Overprotective dad over here, okay? Um, Okay, so Cole gives Bella this ring. And this ring is an external symbol of something, right? This is, this ring represents this heart covenant that he is making with her. You follow me? So, it's interesting that this week, like, he proposes to her, and what was it again that I'm preaching on? Huh. So... (laughs) So like through all of the public speaking classes that I've had, like through college, like there's this one thing that all of these instructors teach speakers to do, right? And so this, this thing that this speaker does is they will bring something with them to help uh, really engage with their audience and for really to give their, their audience something to help them retain what they're speaking about. Today is circumcision. It has to do with a ring of sorts. Um, engagement also has to do with a ring of sorts. So as a visual aid, Cole, if you, don't, if you wouldn't mind coming up here, buddy. Um, uh, in fairness to me, I have not sharpened this knife. Not fair to you. Like, bro, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I can get to him faster than you can. Um, anyway, uh, dad, if you ever see this, thank you. Um, my dad gave this to me recently. It's a Mexican blade and it's um, perfect. So anyway, well, congratulations guys. uh, I couldn't be more happy, and I'd love to say more, but I'm not going to. So so circumcision is this. It is is like a wedding ring. It is an outward symbol. It is an outward symbol of something that has happened on the inside, okay? And and we'll get into this, and I promise, like, that was as bad as it's going to get. You know, when I first looked at that, I was like, no. Yes. So, so, So the external wedding ring like circumcision is the same like it mattered but if you wear a wedding ring and you're not married the symbol is meaningless. It's just a ring. And then as you see like as we're going through uh, these last verses in Romans chapter 2 you'll see like why is Paul is making the argument that he's making. So so What Paul really exposes is what's called dead orthodoxy. So you basically have these these doctrines of the Bible that these people accurately subscribe to, but it's not making any kind of internal difference. There is an intellectual grasp of the gospel, but no internal revolution. This form of Christianity is outside out, and it never penetrates the heart rather than true gospel faith, which is inside out. So. so if you've been with this through Romans, like Paul's been laying out to those with the knowledge of the law, to those that are under the law, the Jewish people, that is not, like, like it is not enough to stop God from judging them. Like they thought, well, maybe if, you know, if that has happened in their lives, then that's like a, a shield between them and God. So, so what Paul does is he goes into the next logical objection in the Jewish mindset. What about circumcision? So, you know, unfortunately, these, the conservative Jews that thought that this outward ritual, ritual had saved them, very similar to how they viewed the law, which we may get into in a little bit, but Paul blows this up and he rewrites the house rules. So last week... Was the religious trap of the show that Jesus hates the show this week the trap that we can fall into is that religion is outward over inward the religion is outward over inward it's like trying to pour from an empty cup so in Romans like Paul begins with greetings and blessings he transitions to the wrath of God and then now he's drawing a line between the saints and the aints all before introducing the grace of God which will come not today But he wants you to see exactly who you are from God's perspective, not man's, so that you can truly understand who you are and the mortal problem that you have in order for you to find the eternal, permanent remedy. So with relation to circumcision, this probably doesn't make a sense. Like, so like we as Gentiles, especially in 23, what we have to know is this, to truly understand why this is such a hot topic right now. Um, we have to understand this. So to a Jew, in this case, like they thought that salvation was achieved from, from receiving three things. And it was the pillar, um, pillars of Judaism. They believe salvation was received through receiving the covenant, receiving the law, and receiving circumcision. So, so, we would say this, and I have a note for me to talk in a weird voice, but here we go. Oh, man, that's terrible. How could they ever think that? I mean, how can spiritual regeneration come from the receipt of something only? So, you don't, you don't do anything. You don't believe anything. You're just randomly giving something, and the, oh, guess what? Well, you are saved. It's not the case. So, so sitting in these seats, like, well, man, that, that makes absolute sense. Like, why would they think, if they had the knife, that they were good with God? I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? Well, hear me on this. Um, and actually show of hands and this it is, really isn't bad if you're gonna raise your hand But who's been in church a whole life? Who's been going to church a whole life? Did you know that does not save you? Um, I lost my place. I'm so sorry. There, there it is. Okay, so So, you know we sitting here we think like how in the world can they think that? When we are sitting here, it's playing church sometimes. But, and then how about this one? You know what? Like, I know that I screw up through the week, but man, I go to church on Sunday morning and I get my Jesus feel like I'm going to be okay. Like that in and of itself is nothing. I faithfully show up every time the church doors are open. That has got to count for something, right? No, no. So I'm going to ask one question and then we'll move on from this. Do you have fruit in your life? Like, is there fruit that is evident? God hates and despises hypocrisy. All right, so as we move through Romans, and I hit on this just a minute ago, but right now, like, we're we're looking at three buckets. The first bucket is where Paul really opens up. He gives his greetings, and he introduces himself. And then second, he moves to the wrath of God, which transitions to the saints and the angels, which is where we are now. And ultimately, it will lead to Romans chapter 3 through 8, which is the grace of God. But today's text, we'll be finishing up chapter 2 of Romans. So let's go ahead and read this together. Romans 25 through 29. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically circumcised but keeps the law will condemn you, who have written code and circumcision, but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And then I don't know if you see it yet, but there's a a couple more passages that I want to read. One from Matthew, one from Luke that really relate to this big time. And the mental state that the audience that Paul is writing to is in. Uh, The first is Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. And then in Luke, the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools. Did not he who make the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. So, with this passage, with circumcision, uh, I, I came up with a title, like, almost instantaneously. Love Hurts. And the main point of today is that God is after regenerate hearts, not external hearts. Hit it. Whoever thought you'd have Nazareth in church on a Sunday morning? I mean, with a name like Laz- Nazareth, that's got to be allowed in church, right? I mean, where was Jesus from, people? Okay, all right. You said it, not me. So, I mean, re- realistically, though, like, love does hurt, you know? You're giving up something. So there we go. Okay. So let's get into this text. So in verse 25, like Paul introduces circumcision into his argument. And he is talking about the relationship with God had become based on pride instead of humble joy. And what we have to understand in 2023 is the why behind the circumcision. Like believe it or not, it's not because of the health argument like behind it, um, which I realize that's a good thing, I guess. Um, But it goes much deeper than that. So remember the bucket that we're in? We're in the saints and the aints. You either are or you are not. So Paul, in this portion of Romans, is writing to believers and that are dealing with this, like this this battle in the mind. So they have been taught for generations, for thousands of years, and then all of a sudden, like Jesus shows up and he changes everything. I mean, obviously, using the scriptures, but really being a, a fuller explanation of them, which, which they, prior to this, did not know. And so they're going through this thing. They're having to unlearn, like, all of these things that have been drilled into them since childhood. So the perception of its meaning, and then the reality of what it truly means. So, and I mentioned this earlier, but there are, so, there are certain groups of people, Jews in this case that salvation, they thought salvation resulted from the receipt of three things, the covenant, the law and circumcision. So the covenant was the Abrahamic covenant, like, like God comes up to Abraham, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but he's like, bro, he's like, I want a nation and I I want to have you. And then he's like, he's like, are you cool with that? He's like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Well, what i am gonna need you to do is this. Um, and he's like, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll do that. Um, but that's the covenant. And then you have the law. God gives mankind the law. He actually gives it to Moses on Mount Sinai. And so the the Jewish people thought that because God had given the law, the Ten Commandments, that this was part of their salvation. And the third was circumcision. And then you would have those that would hide behind those, thinking that that was a shield at all of God's wrath that might be pointed at them. It's like... Dude, I mean, we're okay. We've got the Abrahamic covenant. We've we've got the law. Dude, we're circumcised. Like, the eighth day of all days. Like, dude, we're good. And so they would hide behind this. But Paul refutes that. He is saying, like, listen, there is nowhere to hide from the wrath of God that is coming except for in Christ. In Christ is the only place that you Can hide from that wrath. These three pillars of Judaism are useless, useless without Christ. So, what I'd like to do is really look at the the origin of circumcision in the scriptures. So, we're going to go to Genesis 17 and look at this guy named Abraham. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. And said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram but your name should be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and will make you into nations. And kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. And here it is. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign An uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. When you finally get to the place, maybe even these people, even even more so, but when you finally get to the place of understanding, like, what that circumcision means, that final statement in this passage makes ridiculous sense. Because if you remember, you have a group of people that are working from a position of outside out when it's supposed to be from the inside out. So there is an external circumcision instead of an internal. So So throughout Old Testament writings, like God does like this, this, this crazy, ridiculous um, supernatural thing What he does Is he takes like literal events That happen All the while giving mankind The free will to choose And then there, there would be this event that would happen Right And these significant events Not only literally Happened but would point to Something that was coming in the future um, Something huge And I was really think about this on the, on the way here this morning. I mean, it's, it happens like, like over and over and over, but, uh, we'll take the Passover for example. Like we all know that Israel was enslaved in Egypt, right? Uh, and God tells Abraham, say, dude, go to Abraham and tell him, like, let my people go. And, And so they go through these series of plagues and then, and then finally, um, On the the final plague where the firstborn male of the house would be killed There is a God tells him listen if you take the blood of a lamb and you put it on the doorpost When I come and kill the firstborn if I see that blood I will pass over you So this happened Some 2,000 years ago And then in 30 a.d you had this guy that professes to be the son of God that lived a life void of sin that was crucified on the cross while sacrifices were being offered up at Passover. So, as I'm thinking about these things, like, do you, do you feel like you've got a problem that like, God can't handle? Because I, I get that way sometimes. But do you realize, like, our God can say or, or can have something happen that will literally point to something that he truly intends like thousands of years before it happens? Man, you can trust in God with his promises. So, Here in Genesis 17, God makes his promise with Abraham. He says, Look, look, I'm going to choose you to be the father to, to be the beginning of a new nation, a new people that I can call for my own. And if you accept, like I will make my covenant with you. But there's one requirement circumcision. Love hurts. So, again, like, why circumcision? Like, like, why circumcision, though? Well, for one thing, it made them different than everybody else, right? It set them apart. And not only that, it was a continuous reminder of God's promise. So, and like I mentioned earlier, circumcision was something that God instituted that would point to something much larger, the circumcision of the heart, the circumcised heart. So throw up Romans 2.25, please. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Or as the message says, circumcision, the surgical ritual that marks you as a Jew, is great if you live in accord with God's law. But if you don't, it's worse than not being circumcised. So so Paul makes like two statements in this verse. He validates the divine origin of circumcision, and then he also clarifies that it comes with a requirement to obey the law. So we'll start with Abraham. Like when God called Abraham out of Mesopotamian paganism, he promised to be his God and to make him a father of great nation. He told them that his descendants would be as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. And what God required of Abraham in the covenant was circumcision. Man, it's super uncomfortable saying that a lot. That it's there. So, in Genesis 15 and 17. You know, God essentially says this to Abraham, like, 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 Abraham, like, like, listen, like, if I don't keep my promise, may I be cut in half because I am promising my very character. Like, my eternal Godhead here is on the line. So the Old Testament covenant sign of circumcision had both a positive and a negative side, both But the cutting off of circumcision signified on the one side that God was consecrating or cutting the people Israel out amongst from the, the other nations of the world, separating it for himself, distinguishing Israelites in an act of grace. So the Israelites bore a sign on their skin, on their bodies, that they had been chosen, elect by God, to receive the greatest benefit that any nation could have. And this was done to identify Israel as God's people. So that every time an Israelite looked down, they'd be reminded. I know that seems kind of weird, but oh yeah. But the problem with this is that many believe that this outward act could save them, just like us, maybe not here at rest, but in the church as a whole, there's many of us that go that think that this outward act is something that saves us. So circumcision was like this, this magic charm, this rabbit's foot that would save them, that would protect them from God's wrath. And they had apparently developed the superstitious attitudes about it, believing that circumcision prevented one from descending into hell, and it, and it became this, this false safety net for them. And Paul is saying, bro, like, you've missed the boat on this. You have fallen into a religious trap of outward instead of inward. So Paul makes these two bold statements. And notice, he doesn't just throw away the act of circumcision altogether. Verse 25a, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. So while these outward things, like are, are not, they're not bad things, he points out that circumcision does matter if you're an Israelite because it's an act of obedience in itself. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant, and the covenant involved a commitment to obedience. So circumcision was a God-given sign, his seal of covenant with his people, a reminder. But it was not a substitute for obedience, but a commitment, just like this wedding ring. It became a, a billboard of covenant membership and that membership always, always demanded obedience. So on the one hand, Paul was going, so listen, um, if those of you who are circumcised break the law, it's actually as if you haven't been circumcised at all. But on the other hand, the whole point of circumcision is lost, like if you break it. So 25A with B. For circumcision indeed is a value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So Paul is saying here, like, if you've done this physical act, if you still break the law of God, which everyone does, your physical circumcision becomes uncircumcision. In other words, your good works are cut off. And it's just dead before God. So if this is you... You're really no better off either way if you break the law. So all this talk about circumcision in the New Testament may seem a little bit odd for us Gentile believers, but this was a huge debate. And the point of division between the Jewish and the Gentile Christians, and at this point of division is where we need to examine ourselves through the lens of this text. Hmm. In church, we have our outward religious symbols mistakenly taking place of an inward Holy Spirit transformation. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a lot of church fights over a lot of things. And if you've been in leadership of any kind, I'm sure you have too. You know, and even though there was an outward versus inward problem, to Paul's audience like there's no shortage of it today at all so circumcision that whole topic in our day is this Um what, what denomination are you do you believe in public private Christian schools like what translation do you read because if it's not the King Jimmy I mean is it really Bible um, do you speak in tongues I mean, do you? Because, like, if not, uh, bro, I mean, I hate to break it to you, but you ain't got the Holy Spirit. These are not my beliefs, by the way. I'm just throwing these things out there. Um, <laughs> does your pastor have a master's in divinity? Because, like, I mean, did he go to cemetery? Um, because if not, I mean, is, is he for real a pastor? I didn't pronou- I didn't mispronounce that. Does your sign say Church of Jesus in, on the front? Because if not, like, I'm afraid, like, you're not part of the church. And man, the idols that the church has. And for you first-time guests like this, maybe a little weird, but uh, suits and dresses dresses versus T-shirts and jeans. Traditional versus Contemporary. Hymns versus today's music, instruments versus voices, piano and organ versus electric versus acoustic, bright lights versus low lights, hats versus no hats. With the exception of ladies wearing hats, because that's clearly okay uh, per 3rd Corinthians. (laughs) And then I got this from a friend. It's a hallelujah showdown, a collision for the right way to do Sunday morning before Jesus. Let's get it on. And if you try to change the color of the carpet of the time or the time of the service, well, you'd have a smoother time gliding down a slide made out of a cactus. I borrowed that. When in reality, it's just these outward plus ends. And because of our preference for the outward, the outside of the cup, there are people who almost end up with PTSD when they hear a Bible verse because they've been beat up and abused by the church so bad. You know, the, the, the guy that taught me, he had all these, these one-liners, um, but there was this one that he had and he said, the biggest problem with Christianity is Christians. I'll say it again, the biggest problem with Christianity is Christians. Man, how we've mishandled it. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this. You know, it hits the brakes on all this stuff. It says, for the Lord sees not as the man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so the issue, under the issue Paul is getting at, which is highly applicable to us is this: the outward symbols of our faith versus the inward spirit who gives us faith. We tend to think of physical things as spiritual things, invisible things instead of the invisible things. Your motives matter. The outward matters, but it doesn't matter if the inward is empty. Does't matter. so church like it it's a huge mistake if we only value the sign at the expense of the who and the what the sign is actually supposed to signify so i have i have a question for you are are you wearing a jesus wedding ring and really being married hmm? so So Paul, then next transition, he he takes this outward visible step a little bit further in verse 26. He says, so if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And I like how the message lays it out. He's like, listen, the reverse is also true. The uncircumcised who keeps God's ways are as good as a circumcised, in fact, better so not only are you, the Jews who are not circumcised, tr- the, the, excuse me, the Jews who are circumcised, truly not circumcised, but those who are not circumcised, the Gentiles who keep the law's requirement, shouldn't they be viewed as the ones who are truly circumcised? So Paul's double assertion is really two simple questions. Circumcision minus obedience equals uncircumcision while uncircumcision plus obedience equals circumcision. It's a crazy reversal of roles. Verse 27, then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have, written, who, who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. So, so you have the law, you have the circumcision, but these guys, like these heathens, these guys that are actually following me will be the ones that judge you. So, not so much for you and me, but what, what Paul draws from this would have been profoundly shocking to every Jewish person. Um, you, and you, you guys know that his, his head was chopped off eventually, right? I mean, can you imagine all of the feathers that he was ruffling? I mean, dude, they hated hearing the truth. They hated it. So, in contrast to their traditional picture of themselves, sitting in judgment over the uncircumcised pagans, the roles were reversed, and the one who is not circumcised physically, who yet obeys the law, will actually condemn you, the Jew, who even though you have the written code of circumcision, are a lawbreaker. Paul saying that those on the outside might be more sensitive to the spirit of the law than the Jews were, even though the outsiders didn't know the letter of the law, the written code. And that the obedient Gentiles will sit in judgment over the disobedient Jews. See, the Jews thought that they were the ones sitting in judgment, like sitting on that high chair. But in fact, it was the exact opposite, because of the outward versus the inward. So, the ultimate sign, like the clear evidence, the membership, like the evidence of that membership, of that covenant with God was not circumcision or the possession of the law. It wasn't this outward something that made them look different. But rather, it was obedience, which both the circumcision and the law demand. The circumcision did not make them what their disobedience proved they were not. This is not salvation by obedience, but obedience as the evidence of salvation. Evidence of salvation. This is not salvation by obedience. But obedience as the evidence of salvation. And so, like, when I was reading that, I I immediately thought of this the evidence of salvation. I'll throw up John 15, 5, if you would. So, so Jesus says this. Remember, the evidence of salvation. So, Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Like, whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if somebody is truly circumcised, they will be abiding in the vine, in Jesus. And if they're abiding in the vine, the vine will be abiding in them. And through them, they won't be able to help but to, see, to have some fruit, to have evidence of fruit. So Jesus was classic at this. Like, like, like the, the way that he thought was like completely different. The first will be last, Strength comes from weakness, but Paul says in here in 25 and 27 that it is better to be an unbaptized believer than a baptized non-believer, and unfortunately, like, both of those things are possible. It is better to be an unbaptized believer than it is to be a baptized unbeliever. To be somebody playing church. Revelation 3, just real quick. Um, Jesus, through John, is, is addressing the church of Laodicea, the, the seventh out of the seven churches. He says this, like, 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 I wish that you were cold or hot. Like, I wish you were either on fire or not. But you're you're lukewarm, man. Like, you're you're giving me lip service. And because you are lukewarm, man, I want to vomit you from my mouth. Like, like, I can't stand the taste of it. I can't stand it. Evidence of salvation. So, as we go into verse 28, Paul moves uh, right to the heart of the matter. He first tells us negatively what a Jew is not. And then he'll define positively what a Jew is. Verse 28. For no, one, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. Or the New Living Translation. For you are not a true Jew because you are born of Jewish parents, or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. So so he makes this rhetorical move that's more challenging and dangerous than rejecting Judaism house rules. He doesn't deny that keeping God's command or being circumcised are critical. To the identity, the identity of the people of God, instead, what he does is he reinterprets what these beloved sacred god given symbols mean, possibly yet like he has a, a more a fuller understanding of what this circumcision really represents, because like in abraham 's time when they had that physical um, alteration of their body, like it was something external that reminded them, but what it actually pointed to as the Passover did. Was something that would come when the spirit actually circumcises the heart. So true Jewishness is not something that is outward and visible, but is inward and invisible. You can be a Jew ethnically, but not spiritually. And and Paul's um, his motive here is trying to uh, provoke these Jews to a holy jealousy, say, I hear you. Um, like, I am circumcised, not sure that my heart is. I know the outside's good, but the inside is a mess. Like, I want that. Like, this is Paul's motive here. So because what matters isn't just bearing the sign, circumcision, baptized, church denomination, me- membership card, whatever, it's about being the sign. And the reality is, that the sign signifies. One more verse, and we're beginning to wrap up. That was not a cue to the worship team, by the way. It was a couple of giggles. Okay, verse 29. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision, circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So what Paul is saying is like, while he's saying the circumcision that truly matters is not one that's performed with a knife. It isn't about being a Jew outwardly, circumcised physically by the code. It isn't visible. Instead, it's done by what really matters, a circumcision of the heart. But how? By the spirit. He's saying you need a different kind of surgery, a heart surgery, a heart circumcision. And this is... So a circumcised heart is one that's been spiritually melted and softened, Ezekiel 36, 26. This is an inward work of God, the Holy Spirit. And this is something the the ceremonial law as an external written code could never do. Paul's making this contrast between the letter or the law and the Spirit. And, And this sums up for Paul the difference between the Old Covenant... And the new covenant, the gift of the Spirit, read 2 Corinthians 3, completely uh, lays it all out. So, like, as we start to draw near to the close, like, I've got a huge question for you. Like, is your heart circumcised? Do you have, do I have an active prayer life? Do I have a time when I am actually spending time with the Creator, abiding in the vine, is he abiding in me? Like, is there something that, that you are doing? Is there something that I am doing that is bearing witness of his life in me? Is there some evidence of fruit? God calls on his people to circumcise their hearts and promises to give them the new one. So Paul's redefined what it means to be a Jew, an authentic member of God's covenant people. And it's a fourfold contrast. The essence of being a a true Jew is not something outward and visible, but inward and invisible. True circumcision is in the heart, not the body. It is being brought about by the spirit, not by law. It wins the approval of God rather than people. So human beings are comfortable with what's outward, invisible, material, and superficial. But what God truly wants is deep inward, the secret work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And so, like, at this point, all of a sudden now these uncircumcised Gentiles can qualify as members of the circumcised community of God's people. So... So the negative sign, the negative side of this sign that the Israelites Israelites bore in their bodies, the sign of the covenant, they not only had the promises, the benefits and the blessings, but they also had the curses. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, God is saying this, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I have commanded you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Because you shall be in the city, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Again, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and to observe carefully all his commands. So these are all the blessings that are associated with, this, with obedience. And then he moves to disobedience. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall, your basket, cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. So, like, breaking this covenant that Paul is addressing is being cut off from his blessings and it brings a curse of judgment. And so, like, as I'm reading those things, it's like, oh my gosh. This is a small rabbit. Like, I've allowed... Hold on. That much of my notes to chase this rabbit. Like, we, know, we like to chase rabbits sometimes. So... I want to say this, this may not be politically correct, but do you ever wonder why our country is in the state that it's in? I mean, do you ever wonder, like, the why? Well, well let's go ahead and look at Deuteronomy 28.1 real quick, Just, and I'll read it for you. Are we obeying the voice of the Lord? Are we observing carefully, like, all of his commandments? I mean, are we? Hmm. Or have we humanity as a whole like ignored him? Second Chronicles twelve uh, it begins with this like as the king goes so goes the nation. Huh? Are we like the people from Judges seventeen and eighteen doing what was right in our own eyes? Yes. So I'm gonna make this statement. I'm done with this rabbit. So, all of these issues that you hear about, read about, are not the issue. It's a heart issue. More specifically, an uncircumcised heart issue. It is a Jesus less issue. What we need is Jesus. Period. Come on, Jandis. That was for Ellie. She's back there laughing. I see her. <laughs> so. So, Paul reminds the Christians at Rome that their, their circumcision does not guarantee blessing. If they would remember Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law, they would know the sign of which they're boasting, the very sign that condemned them and marked them as covenant breakers. So, where's the hope? Is it in uncircumcision? Is it in what uncircumcision was a sign of? So, what's worth asking? Why circumcision? Matt Chandler says this, we must be careful to preach the do's and the don'ts of Scripture in the shadow of the cross is done. We must be careful to preach the do's and the don'ts of Scripture in the shadow of the cross is done. So, see, when God gave Abraham an outward sign of an inward reality of his personal, intimate relationship with his Creator God, why did he say, You shall be circumcised? Why the symbolism of circumcision? It was a visual sign of the penalty for breaking the covenant. And so in, in ancient times, like you just didn't like sign your name to bind a deal. So you would actually act out a curse if, if you were to break it. So, um, so you, you might pick up some sand off the ground and, and dump it on your head say, so like, listen, like if I break this covenant, may I be like the dust on the ground. Or uh, better yet, um, you may have an animal, sorry, Summer, you would cut it in half and then you'd walk in between it and you basically saying, you know, if I break this covenant, may I be as dead as this animal right here? That's, they actually did that at marriages. Uh, write that down. <laughs> Cause I can help people end up that way. And I know a guy too. Where are you at? There he is. Um, Okay. So circumcision is a cutting off of a very intimate, <laughs> personal, tender way. So what God was saying to Abraham was like, listen, like, like, you know, I present you this covenant, and if you want to be in a relationship with me, you need to be circumcised, circumcised as a sign to you and to everyone that if you break my covenant, you will be completely cut off. Cut off from others, cut off from life, cut off from me you will really be circumcised. But here's the problem. Like, no one keeps the covenant. So how can God have any people at all? How can anyone be right with him? Because the cutting off of the circumcision, of which circumcision was, it was a sign that it already happened. Talking about the cross to Colossian Gentile Christians, believers who had not been circumcised, like Paul says this to them. He's like, in him, Jesus also, you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He, he was truly circumcised in him. You were also circumcised not by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. So he tells them that they have, in fact, been circumcised in Christ on the cross. In his death, Jesus was cut off. Jesus was forsaken by the Father, cut off from him. He was cut off from the land of the living. Jesus was truly circumcised. He was bearing the curse of covenant breaking. He was suffering the curse that lawbreakers, whether religious or unreligious, deserve. In him, we were circumcised. See, when the Spirit works in someone, he gives them this the sons Jesus's divine circumcision the written code leaving us facing the covenant curse and never deserving any of its blessings so we need another with a capital A to take our cut offness on our behalf only God can do this for us and in the finished work of his son the internal work of his spirit he has which brings us back to the to the main point god is after regenerate hearts not external arts so so church the final analysis for your life is not whether you've been baptized inwardly but whether you've been baptized inwardly because it is possible to put your faith in an outward symbol without having the inward visible. It is possible to trust in Christianity, but not in Christ. It is possible to trust in Christianity, but not in Christ. So, what you Let's do this real quick. Let's insert a different word into our text. And looking at Paul's words to get the feeling that the Jews may have felt like from this. So, so what if you've been baptized? So what if you're a church member? This only counts for anything if there's been a real change in your life. Only if your heart has been truly affected. Do you not, do you, don't you know that you are not a Christian? If you are only one externally, that real Christianity is not about having confidence in external things. A Christian is someone who is a Christian inside. What matters is the inner baptism and that heart membership of God's people. This is a supernatural work, not a human one. The The reality is this. Your mom's or your grandma's faith cannot save you sorry your husband or your wife your kids whoever who have had that heart surgery performed by God cannot save you you have to have it it has to be in your heart so the jews have been circumcising their flesh but they were not circumcising their hearts. Missing the whole point, missing the whole point. So if you would, please bow your heads with me. So, You know, you may be wondering like, how can can I have this this heart circumcision? You may be wondering, how can I have this life-changing surgery? It starts with a journey from your head to your heart let Jesus words cut you just cut through you to your fundamental motivations what you and I need to do is believe in the Holy Spirit to convict to teach to lead control and to change the person Instead of us nominating ourselves to do the work of the spirit in religious rules, we need him. We need Christ who's been cut off and cursed in our place. While God does care about the outward as well as the inward, he knows it's the inward parts of us that we need to change. The good news this morning is that God wants to give you that new heart. He wants to give you that circumcised heart. And he wants you to know that when you mess up, that I, when I mess up and we will, that he'll be there for us and he will forgive us. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's not about the things that you've done or the things that you might do. It's not about... Giving certain things up. It's about believing in the truth and letting the truth change you. So, believers, do you tend to give more attention to the outward or the inward of yourself and other people? Do your house rules reflect that of the king who truly owns your house? Who or what are you most likely to make religious rules about? What dead orthodoxy do you think you're most likely to fall into? Do you serve Jesus out of duty or out of delight? To those here that don't believe. We are not here by accident you know please know nothing that is in our past in your past is big enough to separate us from the love of god It is never too late for anyone. I just ask that you consider the truth this morning. And the reality is, Jesus is going to return. All of the evidence is out there to prove that Jesus is real. And again, I say it's not about do's and don'ts, it's not about cleaning yourself up to come to Christ. It's about believing the truth or following for a lie. So if you're here and you don't owe him, today is your day. And if you are seeking God's approval, like just the acting, the outward stuff, it's not going to earn that. It's not going to save you. God can save you and God can change you. You can either be forever cut off or you can believe in the savior that was cut off in your place. The choice is yours.